The Sports Pen with you on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Delighted to have you along Wednesday, May 6th. And per usual on Wednesdays, we're represented by ABC 10's John Michael Hopefully here in our makeshift phone line and kind enough to lend us his time. What's up, Mike? Not much, man. Not much, man. Just getting through, getting through, working on getting stuff together for the shows. And, uh, yeah, good to be here as always. You sound a little bit tired, and I get it. You've been working a lot of nights with ABC 10. They've got you busy over there. But, hey, that just gives you a little bit extra time to stay up and watch Korean baseball, right? Yeah, exactly. That, that's the only thing I'm looking forward to nowadays <laughs> is I get home after a long day, turn on some Korean baseball. And I don't know Korean. But I got the English dubs on, so we're all good. Who, do you have a team yet? Do you have a favorite team? Because I'm still working not on trying to pick one. Not quite yet. Not quite yet. I don't know who the villains and who the heroes are yet, so I can't really cheer for anybody. There is actually a team called the Heroes, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is the Heroes, but we don't know if they're heroes. You know, it could be like uh, that show that just came out on Hulu. What was that called? The Boys? Where I, all the superheroes are actually bad people. I I I don't know. I haven't seen that. I haven't even heard of it before now. No, there we go. Well, we've got time. That's something I, to it, look into. It, it could be something to look into and maybe something to binge watch. Uh, man, I tell you what, what will we do without Hulu? Like, they had this whole pandemic about 100 years ago, the 1918 Spanish flu outbreak. They didn't even have Hulu back then. I mean, how did, how did they get through this? They, they had hoops and sticks. Boy, I tell you what, I... Yeah. I don't know what I'd be doing without streaming platforms. I've been playing a lot of Xbox, stuff like that. It got to the point the other night where I'm playing the 2011 NFL video game willingly as Christian Ponder. I was the Vikings against the Colts, and I thought, what am I doing? Like, I, it was in the second quarter, and I was down near the goal line, and I thought, wow, I really am playing as the 2011 Christian Ponder-led <laughs> Minnesota Vikings. Like, this is how bad it's gotten. You play who you, you you like who you like, man. You can't do that. I, I'm a guy who plays Madden as Alex Smith still, so <laughs> you, you, you play as who you do. I tell you what, um, I've I've been doing a lot of that. I've been doing some streaming and stuff. And one of the things that I've been streaming, or at least uh, uh, binge watching, is The Simpsons uh, on Disney Plus. And you know what? I've tried to not make it a mission because I'm gonna feel pretty actually bad if I actually do accomplish it, but watch all 30-something seasons of The Simpsons. I hope I don't get to that point, because that means we're going to be in this a lot longer, so I hope uh, I, I don't get to binge-watch every Simpsons episode. But it's a it's interesting how this uh, kind of came about today. On this day in 1993, a Simpsons episode released, and it might have been, I don't know, from their fourth season. I remember watching it, though, because I've already gotten to this point where I've binge-watched it. And, you know, how everyone says the Simpsons predict the future, you know, they, uh, like, can foresee what's going to happen or whatever. I don't know about it, that, but uh, they do have a lot of weird coincidences or something, how it works out that things kind of appear to come true, like, almost like the Simpsons foretold it. Well, this is kind of weird. Uh, on this day in 1993, a Simpsons episode dropped in which a virus, some kind of sickness, originated in Asia, made its way to America, and while the citizens of Springfield, they're uh, the town of the Simpsons, they get sick and there's an outbreak and they're demanding a vaccine and they like almost form a mob outside the town doctor's house and they're demanding a vaccine and the doctor says, there's not one, you know, uh, if I gave you anything, it'd just be a placebo. And they all start wondering where the placebos are and they're like, maybe it's in this truck. So they tip over the truck 
and inside it says danger killer bees and killer bees start flying out around the town so after a sickness that develops in Asia makes its way to the town they demand an outbreak and then a murderous swarm of bees kind of like what we're seeing with the murder hornet uh, it's I'm not saying they can predict the future, but man, that's kind of freaky. Yeah, I didn't know about that second part. I knew about where the, the disease came over, but then I didn't know about the bees. And yeah, um, all right, all right, Mr. <laughs> McGraining. You know what's funny is after he was done with The Simpsons and everybody was like, oh yeah, he can predict the future, yada, yada, yada. He basically like dove into it head first and created a show. Do you know what the name of his second show was? No. Futurama. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, he, he, he was like, oh yeah, I'm from the future and this is what it's going to be like. I'll just make a show about that now. It's almost like we just need to watch The Simpsons to find out how this is all going to pan out, how things are going to work out here in the Well, future. how did that episode end up? Um... I'm trying to remember. I, I know it moved away from the sickness. It, like, took on a, a different plot point, but that's the way it started. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that episode, but it is. So you're saying that you're saying that it got worse because it developed into a different plot point that was no, they more just, intense? They just moved away from the sickness, from the pandemic, and they, I, I don't remember what the other plot point was, but they moved on to something else, and they didn't spend the whole episode on the sickness. Um well, as long as the killer bees didn't stick around, because I'm really worried about that. Are you, are you? Oh, yeah, 100%, because that could destroy the ecosystem, and, I, I mean, I already hate bees in general. I'm already allergic to bees. Now, this, this thing can straight up kill me, and, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's in the early stages still. There's no, like, scientists say it's here to stay, which means it's going to be a, a new part of the American ecosystem, apparently, so I have no idea. I truthfully don't know enough about the whole killer hornet uh what's going on and everything i did watch a video the other night and coyote peterson he's kind of like this wilderness explorer guy but he he intentionally captures bugs like potentially lethal bugs that sting and then stings himself on video to i don't know it, i don't just kind of study them, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know why he does it, but he uh, captures these bugs, these uh, potentially lethal stingers, and he says, I'm Coyote Peterson, and you're about to enter the sting zone. And I saw his video with the killer hornet the other night, and he's got it, he's got it captured, and he lets it sting his left arm. And... They, they like, showed his progression. Like, it hurt just watching that video. Um, he said it was painful immediately. You saw the redness on it almost immediately. And after, like, 20 minutes, it swelled up to the size of, like, a golf ball. And I was just, why would you do something like that to yourself? Oh, no, no. That is beyond my comprehension. <laughs> it's nasty, but eh, you could check it out if you've got a strong stomach. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to encourage anyone, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's not something I would do. I'm I'm just going to say that. But yeah, it goes yeah. around and willfully injects himself with uh, potentially lethal venom. Um, all right, not for me, not for either of us. But if you want to check that out, it uh, could be worth watching. Either or, uh, we do have actual sports to get to over the course of the next hour. We've got what's going on with the NBA G League and how they've become college basketball's worst enemy plus there's a new sport 
coming to college athletics. And shoot, I, I'm kind of interested to see how this is all going to pan out. Plus, uh, I've got a sports media dream team segment that could be kind of fun. And the NFL schedule, of course, drops tomorrow. All that and more coming up over the course of the next hour. Michael, let's start with our former had a content, though, uh, our question of the day, what have you. We might go uh, into this a couple of times. But the question that I have for today, oh, here's a fun one for you, Michael. If you could sit on one college football coach's lap, who would you pick? Lap? Yep. Um, all right. So is this like a Santa Claus thing, or, or like what's the deal? Like why am I there? It can be anything you want it to be in any context. Okay, all right. Um, definitely not Mike Leach. That would just get too weird too what? fast. Oh, he'd be up at the, he'd be at the forefront, I would think. No, no, no that, get, that that gets too weird. Like he's a he's a great guy, but not somebody I would want to sit on the lap of. I don't know, cause he tells um, you good stories. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like you could get. Oh, who 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 am I thinking of? Oh, maybe Saban would be up there. No, Saban would definitely wouldn't be up there. He's not homely enough. You could I think Dabo that. would be heavily uh, considered. Okay. I think Dabo should be considered. Um, I feel like you need mm, a big guy, like a big coach, like that. Kind of like a yeah, a guy who's kind of like, like Sam. I love I, I love Jim Harbaugh, but not Jim Harbaugh. No, Jim Harbaugh uh, would be kind of weird. Yeah, that'd be kind of weird. If you um, could sit on one college football coach's lap, who would it be? You know what might be a, an answer that's out there, Michael, but I might say David Cutcliffe from Duke. Okay, why why him? He just, he just kind of fits that mold. He's a personable, down-to-earth guy. He was the mentor for the Mannings and Daniel Jones, so he's got some good stories, I bet. He just he seems like he would have kind of a – he'd be a comfortable kind of person to be around. Okay, I can appreciate that. All right. I can appreciate that. Uh, anybody, l- l- can we get one thing straight though? Anybody who says Ed Orgeron <laughs> is is a little is a little wonky, right? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I I could see the case for Ed Orgeron. Here's a good one. How about Lovey Smith? That could be good. Yeah, I could see that. He's got the Santa beard. Yeah, that helps. I mean, it doesn't hurt to have a beard no. at this point, right? No, 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 not in this scenario. You know, I'm still racking my brain thinking about a few more of these. Um, if you could sit on one college football coach's lap, who would it be? Would you want to sit on Brian Kelly's lap? No. I don't know if I would. I mean, he's kind of got no. like the the body type you might be looking for if you're thinking of like the Santa route. But, well, I mean, because he's not heavy, but he's not real thin either. Uh, but he's not like warm and personable to me, it seems like. Yeah, you would want somebody who you could feel like you got you could get close to, you know. Mm-hmm. Like like Saban's great, but he doesn't have that feeling to him. How know? about how about Jimbo Fisher? The name Jimbo really helps. His yeah, case, right. Yeah, it's like he's kind of like a grandfatherly type person. Yeah, I could see that one. I think I Jimbo would one. be would be up there. And pretty much, you go down to the SEC. It seems like is where they have a lot of these. Yeah, the SEC. Well, I mean, the SEC just seems like a very southern hospitality sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The people there just seem to have like a good time, and I think that that really pushes their case for this scenario. You know, he's failed like everywhere he's gone, but we could find out where Willie Taggart is right now. Like he was always 
he's failed everywhere he's gone in college football, but he's such like a friendly, like down to earth kind of guy. I don't know. It's, it's the people. It's the people that fail super often that are the most humble, though. The, the people that you know would be willing to talk and tell stories and whatnot, even though it doesn't have like the happiest of endings. They look at it in a more fun and down to earth light because they didn't succeed all the time, you know. So I, I would, I, I could agree with that. That's a good point. Yeah, someone find out where Willie Taggart is now. We'll find out where who he's coaching now. Uh, oh, 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 I got a, I got a good one. Mac Brown. Oh yeah. Mac Brown from North Carolina. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. that might be the one I yeah. pick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go there with Mac Brown. Of, I feel like there are a lot of good options. There are yeah. no wrong answers. I mean, okay, no, there, there, there are a couple wrong answers. Saban, Harbaugh, and Brian Kelly. Yeah, there, there are no <laughs> right answers. There we go. No, no, no. no Mac Brown right is answers. a right answer. No, no, but there are no clear-cut right answers. Like, like Mac Brown's a good answer, but I'm not saying it's the best answer. That's not clear-cut, you know? Yeah, but it's your personal preference. Which is the guy for you? For me, I think it'd probably be Mac Brown with honorable mention of David Cutcliffe and Lovey Smith. All right, fair enough. What about you? What are you What are you going with? Um, I would. I was thinking Mac Brown earlier, but I'll be honest with you, I couldn't remember his name. What about? Um, would Would you sit on David Shaw's lap? No, no. <laughs> if you're just trying to appeal to my Stanford fan, that's uh, <laughs> a little deeper than that. Um. Um. I mean, I, I'm thinking the same route as you, where it's like SEC, I feel like, would probably be the best one. Mm -hmm. um, so, if I'm thinking about the coaches in the SEC, um, who would be the most? I think, I don't know. Like, this guy's kind of young, but I think... You don't, want, Mola, you don't want too young of a guy, because then that's kind of weird. I know, I know, I know. I don't want anybody too young. Like, you almost need somebody older. Homely. Otherwise, it's, you know, one grown man sitting on another's lap. Would Dan Mullen be too weird? A, a little bit. <laughs> man, why did I include this question? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Either or, um, if you could sit on one college football coach's lap, who would it be? We've thrown out names like Jimbo Fisher, Lovey Smith, Mac Brown, and David Cutcliffe, and I think uh, between those four, I think we probably have probably have our winners. Either way, that is our first question of the day. We'll probably go back to that a little bit later on. Um, let's take our first time out here. When we come back, we got a little bit of the NBA G League to break down, plus a new sport taking college athletics. We hope by storm next on ESPN UP. Marquette's Big Boy Restaurant will be offering Mother's Day dinners for pickup. Baked ham, herb roasted chicken, mashed potatoes and gravy, corn stuffing, sweet potatoes, and a dinner roll for just $12.99. For a dollar extra, you can have it delivered by DoorDash. Give them a call, 226-1062. It's available from 10 until 6 on Mother's Day at Marquette's Big Boy Restaurant. Marquette's Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Basketball or its fans, and it's the fact that the NBA G League has cleared a path 
forward high-profile athletes to immediately become professionals, start getting paid for their work, and not immediately be thrown into the fires of the NBA. The G League, which is uh, the developmental league for the NBA, I don't want to say it's the minor league because college basketball up till now has pretty much been the minor league. Uh, but that may change now with uh, with this specific G League team out in Southern California. They are picking up some of the top recruits that uh, seem dang for college basketball. And, man, I tell you what, Michael, this could totally change the landscape of basketball. And I, you know what, from a fan aspect, I don't like it because I love college basketball and I want that to continue. I want the best kind of March Madness and seasons that go with it that we can get. But I get it, you know, with the way that college athletics are run. Uh, I don't blame players for doing this. If they're good enough, they want to go professional immediately, be in the G League and develop, and then eventually make a call up to the NBA. I don't blame somebody for doing that. I think this is the best thing ever. It is. No, no lie. I okay. love it so much. Because, you know, we live in America. And what makes America run? Capitalism. Competition. Yes, but competition. Mm -hmm. you got to have competition. If you have monopolies on any sort of thing, that just sends the whole thing out of whack. And for the last 40-some-odd years, college basketball has had a monopoly. The NCAA has had a monopoly on athletes coming right out of high school, right? Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh, we can just do whatever we want. doesn't matter because they can't go anywhere. The top-level high school guys, they're not going anywhere else. Whatever. They're going to come to UCLA or North Carolina, or Duke, or whatever, and then they're going to play for one to four years, and then it's going to be great. It's going to be great. We're going to profit off them, yada, yada, yada. And now, those kids, those high school athletes, they're fighting back. They're saying, no, you have mistreated us for some time now, so guess what, Mr. NCAA? We ain't going to you. We're going to be a G. There's no N or C or two A's in the entire name of the G League, so they love it. And because they're getting paid right out of high school, they're already in an NBA system going to the G League. It's a great opportunity for them. And the NCAA is going to have to adjust their rules or their standing to have any sort of chance to maintain those high-level players. So because there is now competition, the NCAA now has to change some things in order to better themselves when they never had an opportunity or a desire to better themselves because there was no other option. But now that there is, it's great for them. So with that betterment that the NCAA is going to have to go down because this is going to get a lot worse for them before it gets better, is there any way around it for the NCAA other than ultimately paying players or at least allowing them to make money off their likeness? I think that there is, but we don't know it yet. Mm. I think that maybe, like, you don't have to 100% pay the players, although there's, uh, like they've already said that they plan on doing so in about two years. Um, but... I think that that's the easiest route to take, but if the NCAA is as, uh, I don't want to say cheap, but that's the word I'm going to use. Mm -hmm. If the NCAA is as cheap as we are led to believe, I believe they could come up with some other way to make college basketball more enticing. If they played the whole aspect of learn how to be a star in a smaller area or a smaller environment before you head to the NBA, I mean, that's the only sort of aspect I can think of right now, but I'm not part of the NCAA. I'm sure they have a bunch of teams working on it right now on how to market themselves to be more uh, desirable or 
high-end high school talent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and honestly, does it surprise you it's taken somebody this long to find this kind of market in basketball? Because baseball, you know, they give you that option. You can either go pro out of high school and you have years to develop in the minor leagues there. Hockey, you can go pro right away and you can develop, whether it be overseas or you can go uh, to the minor leagues here, the ECHL or the AHL. Uh, football doesn't really have that, and basketball hasn't had that until now. Does it surprise you that it's taken them this long? No, not entirely, because let's, let's take a look at those options you just gave, right? The NFL doesn't have anything, but the NHL and MLB did, right? Mm. Now, but here's the problem with the NHL and MLB one. The NHL, you talked about going overseas, uh, or to the minor leagues. And let's be honest, if you're not getting drafted out of college, you're probably going overseas. A lot of basketball players and high school athletes in this day and age when it comes to the sport of basketball don't have, one, the money to go overseas, or two, the desire to go overseas because the basketball talent uh, anywhere other than America is just a lower level of talent, you know? Mm. Like, there are some really good players overseas. Giannis and Luka, of course, and Manu Ginobili have been three of the best players of all time, Pau Gasol, Yao Ming, whatever. But in general, the talent level you'll find anywhere other than America isn't nearly as strong. Whereas the NHL, the best players come from overseas, come from the um, Icelandic countries, come from Russia, come from Europe and other places. I would argue Canada, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can Canada too, Canada <laughs> too. But that's not overseas, but yeah. Uh, some, of the, some of the best players come from those areas. And then in the MLB, the MLB has most clear-cut, yeah, you can go straight to the minors and whatnot. But if you've ever talked to a minor league baseball player, what's the first thing they tell you about the minor leagues? They hate it. It's tough, yeah. It's tough to get through those. You know, it's daunting, a lot of driving, a lot of working, and, you know, you don't get the best amenities. They treat you well, but you don't get the best amenities. Mm -hmm. Like, my, my brother played summer ball, which apparently is supposed to mimic that of uh, the play of minor league baseball and every single night it was either like subway or pizza or something and that was it L like low-end stuff you play baseball and you got to do that for multiple years if you're going to be in the minors unless you're a phenom unless you're Willie Mays where you play no games in the minors or Tim Lincecum where somehow you only play 11 games even Bryce Harper had to spend how many years I think two or three years mm -hmm. in the minors so no matter what you're going to spend a lot of time just drudging through the lowest of the low. And I, I can understand if a lot of players don't want to go through that right out of high school. They want some time to develop and learn how to live on their own before they can do that. So the NBA never really had and uh, never really had anything like that except for the G League. And now people are starting to understand the G League because it's different than minor league baseball. It's different than the uh, KHL out in Russia. It's different than Canadian hockey leagues because it's straight up a farm system for the NBA immediately. And it's NBA-level play. It's NBA talent. But because the NBA always marketed itself as, well, we take college players, that never seemed like an option for high school players, right? Mm. You've got you to go through your steps. you got to go through the motions. You have to pay your dues before you can be ready to get to that level. However, it was never a rule that you had to pay your dues to get to that level. But because, you know, 
of the marketing and because of people how people looked at it i think that high school players just saw that as not an opportunity until they went to a division one college and now that facade is being pulled back the curtains being pulled back and people are seeing the man behind the wizard of oz and it's paying, it's it's making great things i love it it's all about marketing you gotta have the right tools to market. It's however you make people per. It's however you make people perceive you. If you make people perceive yourself as the highest level of basketball skill, people are want to go. The people are gonna want to go there. But as soon as there becomes, as soon as there comes another option that pulls away that facade that makes you doesn't look at, that makes you not look as good. That's where people are going to go. We're seeing that with the NCAA and the G League. It's fascinating to see how this is all changing right now. And that G League farm system is already starting to get loaded up with talent. Uh, the top point guard that was coming out of high school, he decommitted from UCLA. I can't remember his name. Uh, LaMelo Ball. Is it? That's it. That's it. Yep. Decommitted from UCLA. And now he's headed to this G League team in uh, Southern California. And it's fascinating to see how... Uh, how this is panning out. I'm excited, man. I'm honestly, I'm kind of excited. I, I might tune into a G League game just for that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited not for the idea of, because, I, I mean, I like college basketball, but I've never been, like, a huge fan of it. Like, I like the NBA more the same way I like the NFL more than I like college football. Mm. But I'm excited because it's going to force the NCAA to get better, whether that's creating new rules or airing more games, allowing students to, you know, play more often and expose themselves more. And since these players are in two years going to be able to make money off their likeness and their brand and whatnot, that's going to create a lot more opportunities for college athletes to like star in commercials or just be out in the public more and want to interact with fans so that, you know, they can make money off their likeness outside of the university. And it's going to create, I think, a much better style of college basketball where we have players that go out and interact with people that we want to root for. They'll create heroes and villains, create stories and stuff like that. And that's always been the draw of college basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Is the March Madness. It's crazy. What story are we going to see? And now when there's more people to root behind and get behind, it's going to be great. Or people to root against. Like, well, what was the story a couple of years ago? Grayson Allen? Mm-hmm. Everybody hated Grayson Allen, right? Yep. And it, was, it just felt so good to, like, just for the chance to watch him lose. It felt so good. And I think he, I think he won the championship that year. They might have. Was it, was it 15? Not sure. Can't remember the exact year, but I think they won the championship that year. But because of that possibility of going out there and watching this guy who was just an absolute mondo, not a good guy, because I can't think of a word that's good for radio. Mm. But just for that possibility of seeing him lose, people tuned in. And now we're going to have people that want to go out and want to interact and want to, you know, create a persona. So it's going to create, we're going to be able to see if these people are good people or bad people or if they're competitive. And a lot of people don't like the competitive people, so they might turn into the villains. I'm loving this thing. That's how I'm looking at everything. I like it. I like the way that you're looking at it. But could you imagine if we had this already in place five or ten years ago, players like Zion Williamson would have jumped at this? This is going to hurt the one-and-done schools more than anybody. This is going to hurt the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the Carolinas more than anybody. Yeah, and I'm really, really, really glad about that. Because, well, also because college basketball has become a powerhouse thing. Mm. 
everybody says, oh, I, I can't watch the NBA because it's so top-heavy, yada, 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 right? Mm. Look at college basketball. Yeah. How many schools have a legitimate chance to win a championship every year? I know because March Madness is madness and whatever, but every team sort of does have a chance. But in general, let's talk about who are the actual best teams in college basketball. Uh, if there's how many schools? 150 in the United States Division One NCAA programs. Um, I'm I'm not sure. If there's about let's let's guess about 150. 15, one tenth of the teams are you know good teams are the teams that we could see winning a national championship. Uh, that that even seems high. That even seems high. All right. Imagine if the NBA had only three teams we could see actually winning a championship. We kind of do. <laughs> we kind of do have that right now. I mean, maybe with, maybe when the Warriors had Kevin Durant, yeah. that was the case. But, uh, I mean, uh, right now there are a lot of teams we could see winning the NBA championship. The Bucks, the Lakers, the Clippers. I could even see the 76ers winning a championship because they have the depth, and or they have enough people in their starting five. Yeah, they got to win on the road first. I could see Nikola Jokic pulling out upsets over LeBron James. Uh, Nikola Jokic is such an underrated player. That's a story for another time. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, the NCAA is arguably way more top-heavy than the NBA. Mm. But pe- people, for some reason, love March Madness way more than they love the NBA playoffs. Mm. And uh, so I think it's great that people or the, the top talents is taking a look at those schools and going, Nah, I'll pass. That's just good for college basketball, I feel like. I tell you what, um, this is going to force guys like Mike Krzyzewski to actually recruit because this can very well put an end to the one-and-done player in college basketball. Guys like Zion Williamson who just need their one year uh, to get to the NBA draft, uh, They could they spend that at Duke and pay without play and risk injury, or could they go get paid and get developed to go right to the NBA. I mean, that it's going to put an end to the one-and-done player, and that's why it's going to hurt schools like Kentucky, Duke, Carolina, and, and the likes of those guys. You know who I think we have to thank for this? Who? LeVar Ball. And I'm being serious. <laughs> right? You're right. You're right. I'm taking his son and being like, no, he's not going to play college. Mm-hmm. Like He's going to go somewhere where he can build a brand and he can make money before he goes to the NBA. He did that with LaMelo, and now people are like, hey, you know, that was kind of smart. Mm-hmm. LeVar, you know, doesn't have – LeVar is not always the guy who has the best ideas. But that was a good idea. It was. I, I give him credit. You know, and you're right. I hadn't thought of it like that. But we kind of owe all this, this G League super team to LeVar Ball. And right now he is public enemy number one of the NCAA. Who would have thought? Good. He's becoming a hero. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I'm getting out of it. I don't know if I'd go that far, but, uh, man, that's, I hadn't thought of it like that. I tell you what, though, we're coming up on our next time out. We'll take it now when we come back. A new sport coming to college athletics starting this school year. Next on ESPN-UP. Hi, honey, I'm home. What's new? Hustle delivered our new washer and dryer today. Oh, that was fast. Any problems? None at all. The guys arrived on time, hooked up the water, and hauled away the old ones. Have a look. Hi. Uh, hi. 
Uh, sweetie, what are these guys doing in our laundry room? They're the household guys. Okay, I can see that. But why are they standing against the wall? <laughs> why, they're standing behind their products, silly. Would you boys like some more coffee? Household appliance and art van furniture locally owned, U.S. 41 West, Marquette. Attention small business owners in the Upper Peninsula. We know that being a small business owner was challenging before COVID-19. And now, as uncertain economic times unfold, there are new concerns. Please visit www.update906.com for resources resources to support you, including a UP-based team to help navigate programs designed to help support businesses. Update906.com is your trusted resource. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoot. Soccer League is planning to resume play later this month. And finally, the average sloth moves about 125 uh, feet per day. That is your Sports Center update. What was that, Mike? Hold up, hold up. Yeah. You know that sloths can move up to 35 miles an hour, though, right? No, I don't think that's right. Well, when they fall off the trees, that's how fast <laughs> they move before they get to the ground. I don't like to think about that, man. That's morbid. <laughs> I want to think of a sloth falling. high school. Yeah, that was that's morbid, man. I want to think of a sloth falling out of a tree. Well, I mean, teenage kids, man, more morbid, right? I, I, I don't know about that, but I tell you what. Maybe it's just a, maybe it's just a me thing. I maybe think it's I'm a you thing. Them. I think it's you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. Um, so, yeah, sloths move about 125 feet per day unless they're falling out of a tree, as Michael pointed out. I uh, tell you what, though, I've got this that I wanted to bring up to you, Mike, and it is kind of a fascinating story. Uh, We talked about the NCAA, and there's another faction of college athletics, the NAIA, the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics, and they are primarily for smaller schools, um, and they're making some changes themselves. They are adding a new varsity sport starting this fall, and it is women's flag football. The NFL and NFL Flag are partnering with the NAIA, and the NAIA is now going to start offering women's flag football as a varsity sport. And you know what? I'm kind of intrigued by this. I honestly am. Well, I'm not. This is the first time ever hearing of this, yeah. but I really like that. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's it's going to be backed by the NFL, so there's pretty good reason to think that it's going to last. I mean, the NFL is supporting it. Uh, but what they're talking about is having a – Spring season, they're going to play this as a spring sport, and they're hoping to host championships by the following year. So what I'm reading here in this report, uh, it says that an emerging sport in the NAIA is defined by having at least 15 participating institutions, while a championship uh, is required to have 40 institutions. You have to have at least 40 institutions to actually compete for a national championship. You can have a season, you can have an actual sport uh, without a championship if you have at least 15 institutions, but you need 40 to contend for a legit national championship in the NAIA. So I'm kind of intrigued by this, honestly. I want to see a little bit more of the plan. I want to see how it develops, but 
women's flag football is about to be a college sport, and it's going to happen at the NAI level before the NCAA. No, I really, really, really like this. There's nothing more hype. There's nothing more hype than watching one woman bulldoze another woman <laughs> with a football in her hand. I mean, it's it's just it, it feels good, man. Like you see those videos, you see those videos, and you just go, nice, like good hit, good tackle, stuff like that. Or that's at least how I always look for those and stuff. Michael, you need more yeah. sleep. Maybe morbid Michael. Yeah, this this segment. There are there are a lot of things, man. Morbid Michael, it's been, uh, dude. I just take a look at those videos and I go, man, good form. That was nice. That was that, that was good. But this is flag football, Michael. You're not supposed to bulldoze other no. people over. Well, I'm gonna see the rule book first because you can 100% still trust people in flag football, from what I know. We like, did that before. We've played flag yeah. football together. We did it yeah. with our with our media group and uh, Mike Ludlum over at. Uh, over at TV6, absolutely trucked me. And he's, yeah. what, he's in his 60s? See, yeah, see, it's all about pulling the flag, right? If you can't pull the flag while he's trucking you, I mean, that's just the you problem at that point. It was a knee problem. <laughs> it was a big knee problem because Ludz is, he's a big, strong guy yeah. for his age, uh, despite that. And he, I, do, I get in front of him, I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to hurt Ludz, you know, because he's like in his 60s, I was just going to reach around for his flag. He just lowers the shoulder and sends me to the ground. And it's like, get off the track because the freight train is coming. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel like it should be, man. Just, okay. You know, you don't have to tackle them if they're trucking you. You just got to reach around and get at least just one flag. That's it, just one flag. So in, in a sense, it's like if you can't if you can't get it, like I can understand your situation. He caught you off guard, but guess what? That wasn't going to happen again, right, Tanner? Uh, I, I would hope not. Yeah, exactly. Somebody, I'm not somebody else go guard Luds. Yeah, in an essence, it was like, you know. Get good, right? <laughs> if you can't make that tackle, just get better and make that tackle <laughs> in an essence. I tell you what, um, I am excited to see how it all pans out, what the official rules are going to be. I don't know how they go about putting together rosters to start for the coming school year because, again, it'll be a spring sport. Uh, I don't believe they're going to have a, a national championship this year. I think that uh, plan is for them to have a championship by next year, but they'll do a season without a championship this coming spring is what it sounds like do you, do you need helmets or like shoulder pads or anything to play flag football do you think no i mean like when we when we played or whatever what did i bring so yeah but we didn't have aside. access to helmets well, i don't think you need helmets i mean there there are a lot of leagues right now that have no protective gear but still play tackle football and their argument is because they don't have that equipment that were that makes it so that they have to be more careful. They have to make sure their form is right. They have to make sure everything is okay so they don't get seriously hurt. So I think that that same sort of logic and that same sort of placebo could apply to the, to a flag football league. What leagues are these that don't use equipment? Oh, you haven't seen any of those? Oh. Dude, look at that. Dude, look it up online. It's tackle football, no equipment. Like, that's a, it's a real thing. Mm. Yeah, this, this is a real thing. There, there are national tournaments and stuff like that. And yeah. Have you seen these leagues? Yeah, I've seen documentaries on these leagues. I, I, I'm learning a lot today, Mike. I'm learning a lot about stuff that I had no idea existed. I'd never <laughs> thought about some things a certain way. The whole LeVar Ball is the NCAA's worst enemy. Uh, that there are legit leagues where you can play form tackle football without equipment. Um, fascinating, honestly. 
Yeah, and the biggest argument for those leagues is you can hear all the players all the players say this. It's because they don't have that protective equipment, they have to be more careful on the field. That's what they think about. The mm-hmm. safety is obviously the number one priority. And since they know they don't have that backup plan, that helmet or those pads or whatever, they know that everything needs to be super safe and super just proper when it comes to tackling or when it comes to you know, diving head first into your offensive line. It makes sense in theory. I don't know if that is true, but it's certainly something to think about. I mean, it, it makes sense. I can see the points. Well, there we go. All right. Well, I tell you what, um, I don't want to fit in this next segment before the break because I want to spend a little more time on it. But uh, let's go back to the questions of the day here. We had our first one earlier today. If you could sit on any college football coach's lap, who would it be? That was a weird segment. Um, so <laughs> let's, let's take it. Here's, here could be a fun one, Michael. How many minor league baseball teams can you name? Oh, boy. Yeah, um, between the two of us, let's see how many we can get. We have the... Well, uh, all right, go ahead. Okay, I can get the Twins uh, teams. You get the Rochester Red Wings, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. You've got... Uh, the Cedar Rapids Colonels, the Elizabethan Twins. Um, you got the Iowa Cubs. I've been to their games. Um, the Burlington Bees, uh, Clinton River Kings. Uh, I'm thinking of the Iowa teams. The Quad City, whatever they are. Um, let's see. There's the Buffalo Bison. I think there's still the Indians AAA team. Okay, so you're moving. You're moving away from the twins. Yeah, yep. I did the twins and the Iowa teams, and now I'm just gotcha. trying to think of anyone else I know. How many is I'm, that I'm anyway? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm thinking of the. I can I can name more cities. I feel like I like Rancho Cucamonga, Lake Elsinore. I can't name the teams though. I think it's the Lake Elsinore Storm. Yep, I think I'm that's correct. right. Yep. There's no idea who Rancho, what Rancho Cucamonga is though. There's the. Uh, um, area of the the 51s the vegas 51s i like their mascot the albuquerque isotopes the montgomery biscuit eaters (laughs) is that a thing that's that's a real thing Uh, they're a minor league team right they're not like a summer collegiate okay i'm pretty sure they're a minor league all right all right we'll we'll take um i think they're the i think they're a tampa bay rays affiliate there's Wisconsin the Timber, the, the yep, Wisconsin Timber yep, Rattlers. Timber Rattlers, that's right. And they have their um, annual Youper Day at the ballpark. That's right. Yeah. The, what about the Sea Wolves? Isn't that a Detroit um, Tigers? Could be. Um, could be. The Mud Hens. The, the Toledo Mud Hens. Yep. The Oklahoma yeah. City Dodgers. I've seen them play before. Um, the, there's there's the San Jose Giants. That's single A. Yep. There's uh, the Sacramento uh, River Cats. The Colorado Sky Sox, I think. I think they're the White Sox affiliate out there. Mm. Um, how about the how many minor league baseball teams are? Oh, there's uh, the Memphis Redbirds, Cardinals affiliate. The Springfield Cardinals, the okay. AA affiliate. I'm trying to think of the Mariners, because I've seen a couple like minor league Mariners games. Because there was a guy in high school I went to who's now a minor league player for the Mariners, but I can't remember their team's name. Um, okay, there's the uh, Savannah Sand Nats, um, the, uh, the Omaha Royals. How many minor league leagues are there? Well, there's single A, double A, triple A. Then there's, then there's like high A. High A, low A, and rookie ball. So there's six? I think so. Or is single A not a thing? 
is single A just divided into those three right, right. Well, single A is five. single A is high A and low A, I think, and then and then there's the rookie rookie league. Um, there's five leagues. Yeah, I'm trying to think of cities that would be big enough for a team, but don't have one. I'm thinking like San Antonio. I don't know if they have a team. Um, Columbus. I think it isn't there like a the Ospreys aren't they out in Montana like the Billings Ospreys maybe. Um. There's a okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, this is a this is a tougher one, but there are just so many. There are just so many. We got, league baseball we got some good ones though. We got a we got a few pretty decent I, ones. You know what's crazy is like I, I you take a look at this segment. I feel like we got a decent amount. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you we didn't even get like we didn't even get a fifth. Oh no, we, we get a sixth. I'm sure when you take them all into consideration, we barely put a dent into it. I'm taking a look at some of them right now, and like obviously, oh, I've you're cheating. Of these, but I would have. Well, well, I'm cheating now because I feel like we're done. Okay. But um, uh, like some of these, I would have never thought of. But like, obviously. Oh I've wait, 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 wait! Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Yankees. I wasn't gonna let that one go. <laughs> and the uh, and the right, Pawtucket Red Sox. I haven't looked it up yet. Okay, fair enough. But I know what I should know those two. Now I'm looking it up. What about the Everett Aqua Sox? I've heard of them. I I the would have never gotten it. The Frisco Rough Riders, the Tri City Valley Cats, should have gotten them. I've never heard of the Frederick Keys. Uh, there's the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Did you get the Elizabethton Twins? Yes. Okay. Um, the Syracuse Mets, the Charlotte Knights. Oh, how do we miss the Durham Bulls? Oh my oh, God! I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at both of us. Uh, yeah. the Gwinnett Stripers. Um. Louisville Bats, oh man, Indianapolis Indians, Norfolk Tide, uh, Columbus Clippers. Those are all Fresno Triple A teams. I didn't, I didn't even know. I didn't even know Fresno had a team. I think I called them the Omaha Royals earlier. Omaha Storm Chasers. I think they used to be the Royals. Round Rock Express, San Antonio Missions, Wichita Wind Surge. That's kind of cool. Um, I, like the fight. I like the Reading Fighting Phils. That's probably my favorite name. <laughs> uh, the Fresno Grizzlies, the Reno Aces, Sacramento Rivercats. There's a team in Canada? Is there? Vancouver Canadians. Oh, how about that? Who are they in the Phillies, though? The El Paso Chihuahuas. That's, That's a, a good name. One. That's a good one. Yeah. The Vegas Aviators, are they not the 51s anymore? Because that's stupid if they're not. Oh, the Silver Bees. The Bees from uh, the movie Major League Three, which probably never should have been made because <laughs> it was a disaster. But hey, that was a Major League Three. Yes, I've watched it Did because uh, I watched it because it's you know it's based on the Salt Lake Bees, who at the time was the Minnesota Twins affiliate. So I thought, hey, it's a Twins movie. It was just awful, just terrible. There we go. But right, I won't. I won't check that one. No, out. no, do check it out because everyone should. No, they shouldn't. But you should. You should check it out at least once. <laughs> Scott Bakula stars in it. Peoria has a team, huh? Oh, well, this is interesting. It is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, uh, yeah. The Montgomery Biscuits. There they are. Ah, that's a good one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I got that one confirmed. Yeah, but shoot, no, that's uh, that's one of those brain teasers. How many minor? If you're on a road trip, just do that with yourself. How many minor league teams can you come up with? I'm looking at the full list, and there's probably 
150, <laughs> I want to say. I tell you what, uh, we'll have some fun with this. You can look a little bit more on that during the break. Let's take our next time, our last time out, and when we come back, a sports media dream team. Who's on it? Who should be on it? Next on ESPN UP. Here's Tom from Donkers in the Delft. Actually, we're going to fire up relatively soon, I hope, and have some takeout. We're going to definitely start out with the takeout and the uh, curbside stuff. We can't wait to do that. I know everybody's waiting for the poutine and the uh, Donkers mac and cheese, and we can't wait to mix that all together. And Shane's downstairs making chocolate. We're working hard on making a lot of sea salt caramels and... Uh, Really getting excited to have everybody come by the door or come inside the door. We're going to make sure everybody's safe and sound. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoot. Smokies. I think that's a cool name. Good one. Anytime you have a name also that doesn't end in S, I feel like is a really good one. Like the Visalia Rawhide, the mm. Wichita Wind Surge, the Winston-Salem Dash. Mm. Anytime you don't end in an S, that's a good sign. This would be another good question of the day, Michael, but do you know the nine teams in pro sports that whose nicknames yeah. don't end with an S? You've heard that one. Oh, already. Yes. Come on, Tanner. <laughs> I know. That's a child's play. That's child's play. That's uh, the Red Sox, the White Sox, the Jazz, the Thunder, the Lightning, the Avalanche, the Wild. Um, how many is that? The Heat and the Magic. That's all nine. There we go. Yeah. Um, there, I will say there is one specific team of note, mm-hmm. and it's a team that doesn't end in an S, the Orem Owls, that's with a Z. Wow. Okay. You know what? Minor league baseball nicknames are fun. You can get really creative with those, and I love them when they like reflect the area and the city and everything like that. Like the Tennessee Smokies, that does it for me. You like that one? I do like that one. There you go. There's yeah. a lot of good names. There's some good ones. But Jude, I want to bring this up to you, Michael, here before we run out of time. Now, I was listening to Levitard earlier this morning, and uh, Stu Gatz was doing this thing where he was inspired by watching the Last Dance documentary the other night where they detailed the Dream Team, the 1992 U.S. Olympic team. So Stugatz went ahead and put together a sports media Dream Team, some of the what he believes are the best sportscasters. And you know what? He, he had a lot of guys from ESPN, and he had all current guys. Like, I was I, – you know what? I don't want to say that these guys aren't deserving of being on here, but, uh, and, you know, Stu Gatz put a lot of thought into this, and I'll give you the list and his reasons why he put them there in a second, but it's not exactly the list I would have come up with. I feel like between you and me, we can come out with a better list than Stu Gatz here. So here was uh, Stu Gatz's list. He, d- he did a starting five, and then he had a bench, plus a head coach for a sports media dream team. The head coach is Ernie Johnson who uh, does some baseball primarily for CBS and those networks, uh, TBS, I think. And uh, you know what? He's – I could buy it. I mean, I could buy him as a coach, but I think there might be somebody else I'd pick before him. Um, Ernie Johnson. Johnson. I don't like Ernie Johnson. You don't like Ernie Johnson? No, I said I do like okay, him. Okay, good. I love Ernie. Yep, I yep. love Ernie Johnson. He does a great job. Um, 
his point guard is Mike Greenberg because he won't answer the questions, but he'll sure ask them. He'll dish it out. He won't take the shot, but he will dish the ball, and that's why Greeny is Stugatz's point guard on the Media Dream Team. Okay. <laughs> uh, the shooting guard is Stephen A. Smith because he's never met a topic or shot that he didn't like, even if he knows nothing about it or has no business taking that shot. Stephen A. has nothing that he doesn't like. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, uh, I, I like get the, the reasoning. I get yeah. the yeah the, the thought process behind it. At small forward, you need somebody who's versatile, somebody who can do play-by-play, can be a studio host, a sideline reporter. So he went with Chris Fowler at small forward. Okay. You know, and I like Chris Fowler, but is he dream team? To uh, Stugatz, he is. Uh, power forward, you need somebody who's going to put them in their place, who's going to be your enforcer. Stugatz went with Diana Rossini, who covers football primarily here in, uh, for ESPN. And, yeah, I mean, maybe she's intimidating to them. I like her work. Exactly. There hasn't been a single person that we've that you've said thus far that I've been like, yeah, 100%. I agree. I agree. And, and I'll tell you why. Isn't that the point of a dream team? It <laughs> should be. And it's nothing against anybody on this list. You know, these are all wonderful people and do great uh, work. But... It's not necessarily the dream team for me. And at center, I don't know why Stugatz wanted somebody who represented Bill Cartwright or, you know, one of the Cartwrights, the uh, Purdue's, guys like that, the, you know, the big uh, tall guy. So at center, he went with Scott Van Pelt. I'm like, all right, <laughs> that one I guess. Um, so that's his starting five. And then coming in off the bench, he had Maria Taylor, Doris Burke, and PFT commenter from Barstool. Okay. <laughs> because PFT I, commenter. I like Doris, Doris, Burke. Doris Burke is one that for sure should be on there. Uh, he said PFT commenta- uh, commenter is on this list because he will come in and just go crazy for like five to ten minutes, and that's kind of all you need in somebody who comes off the bench. So, I mean, he put thought into it. I mean, he's giving he's his reasons sports, why. Yeah, but I just I, I think we can put together a better sports media team. First of all, I don't know if he was just going for current guys that are in this, or you know, because if we're talking all time uh, sports media guys, I think you put in um, Howard Cosell. I think has got to be in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, Keith Jackson. Do play-by-play, pe- do play-by-play people count? Oh yeah, yeah. Anybody in sports media. Then Vince Scully needs to be. Yes, there. Vince Scully absolutely is one of those guys that should be up there. Um, but if we're going with just current guys, Michael, there is no way to me that you leave out Al Michaels and Bob Costas. Those two have to be in your starting lineup. Yeah, I, I'd say definitely Bob Costas. I think that even Al Michaels is a little on the fence, but Bob really? Costas, one hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, why, yeah. Why is that? I. Man, he's a lot for me. Bob Costas can do anything, man. I've seen him everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was flipping through channels one day, and then all of a sudden he's on the Olympics. (laughs) Like, you need to be out there to be able to do the Olympics because that's not your typical basketball, baseball, football stuff. That's high diving. If you can can host high diving, then you're you're 100%. You're you're the best in the business. Yeah, but Al Michaels has done the Olympics. He did the Miracle on Ice call. He never did hockey before that. Hmm. Okay, there I, we go. He's the consummate professional. He's up there along with Costas in my starting five. I'd put Joe Buck up there, too. 
mm, the baseball fan in me does not like that. <laughs> he calls a good game, though. I, I think he does a darn good job. And the Packer fans here don't like that either. But he does a pretty darn good job. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I think I've, I've been watching a lot of highlights lately because I miss sports. Mm-hmm. And Joe Burks on the call for a lot of them. And every time I'm like, that seems a little lackluster. Seems a little lackluster. Okay. I mean, right. I don't know, man. I don't know. If you like Joe Buck, I mean, this is your list. So, go for it, man. Hey, help, help me decide who or where this individual should be. Mike Tirico. I like Mike Tirico. I do, too. I like him. Should he, is he a dream teamer? I, I'm leaning toward yes, but do you think so? Hmm. Probably, I'd, I'd probably put him on there. I think he's definitely, ah, he's not an Isaiah Thomas type. He's not somebody who I would leave off for mm. stupid reasons, for ridiculous reasons. <laughs> but he's, he's probably, he, I wouldn't put him as a starter. I'd put him probably on the bench then. Really? Who yeah. would you put as your starting five, your top five media professionals? Well, and, uh, if we're going the same sort of idea about, uh, Steve Bass was putting up there. I wouldn't recommend I would Colin, it. I, I, I would put Colin Cowherd before Stephen A. Smith. Would you really? Yeah. But well, on Dream Team? A, yeah, I would put him on the Dream Team. Really? Okay. Colin's a guy. Stephen A. is really good at uh, answering questions. But mm-hmm. Colin is a guy who sticks to his guns for the most part. And I, I think his he weird, crazy guns, yep. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he doesn't for everything. I mean, when he talks about how... Baker Mayfield was going to turn into Johnny Manziel, and then as soon as Baker Mayfield came on the show, he said he never compared him to Johnny Manziel. Mm. So I didn't respect that. But there have been so many cases where uh, stuff just doesn't go right. or Like, he has stuck by Sam Darnold for so long now. And I don't think Sam Darnold's bad, but he's not going to be a superstar at this point, mm. unless something crazy happens, unless I don't even know who their head coach is. Um, Adam Gates? The Jets head coach. It's Adam Gates? Okay. Unless Adam Gates finds some sort of magical bath salts that he can sort on the sideline, then um, I don't think I mean, it was I bath salts. I think it was smelling salts. salts. Smelling salts. That okay? Yeah, that was a bad. That was a bad flip up right there. <laughs> but let's just move past that. But he 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 sticks to his guns, and he's good at. This is like a weird thing for me to say, but he's really good at coming up with analogies. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like he can compare anything. To anything, and he's really good also at getting people riled up, not for reasons of like, yeah, I agree with you, but because of, oh my gosh, I 100% disagree with you, and because of that, the fan interaction with it, and his ability to just shrug off people's comments and stuff like that, that's something that I really respect. As somebody who's gotten a little bit of hate, or a lot of bit of hate, throughout my career as well, I respect an ability to shrug things off. How about a guy that you know, you could almost put Stu Gatza in in this category. He could be in the conversation. Yeah, he could. But I, I mean, if we're talking about Stu Gatza's list, you obviously can't put yourself. You no, do that, that's not, no, but we could. Uh, you have to build a persona of confidence at that point. You know who I I want to put up there? I don't think he's probably a dream teamer. Although he's my personal favorite at ESPN is Sean McDonough. Okay. I really right. like Sean McDonough. He's probably not a I'll, top five, but he's my personal favorite within the company. I'll agree with you there. All I'll right. agree with you where I don't, I, I don't think he's a dream teamer, but he's solid. Yeah. Um, couple minutes you here left. To, you, don't, you, you don't get to where a lot of pe- these people are without being just good at your job, right? Right. right. There are a lot of people, like pretty much anybody in the industry we can consider. It's just uh, a matter of 
now taking in preference and stuff like that. Where do you put Tony Romo? Does he count? Because if we're talking former players, it's no, he counts. He's definitely part of sports media now. Okay, well, that's two. I mean, that's a great team. I'm, those I'm, two. I mean, uh, I would put Shaquille O'Neal in there then, because okay, he's just yes. a guy who you can't take your eyes off. Of. Right. He's a guy who you want to keep watching. Right. The evolution of Shaq as a TV commentator has been really fun to watch because he's actually gotten pretty darn good at it. Yeah, and one thing, the, the thing I've always sort of lived by as a television personality is it's way better to be um, bad and unforgettable than good and forgettable. Mm-hmm. And what have you been doing? What? Yeah. And Shaq is somebody who started out, he wasn't very good, but he's gotten better, but he's maintained that ability of being unforgettable. Mm-hmm. Like, you take a look, like, there's some segments he's done on his... NBA on ESPN or TNT or whatever. He's done so many segments that, the, like, Shaq and the Fool will forever become a thing now. Like, whenever somebody does something bad in the NBA now, it's called Shaqing. That's the equivalent of when you hit a good shot and people say Kobe. Mm-hmm. It's gotten to that point, right? Mm-hmm. So he's created this persona that you're not going to forget his segments or him or the things he creates. And that is the most important thing to me and my philosophy that I've had with television. I tell you what, it's a good way to end the show. It was a good good topic. I tell you what, I'd like to do more on that. Unfortunately, we are out of time, man. It's always good talking to you and having you on. You got anything? Oh, I know you got some stuff coming up at ABC 10. Uh, when do we get to find out, we as the public, when do we get the team of the year voting revealed? That'll be revealed during our 5.30 and 6 o'clock shows today. Okay, today. all right, so coming up. You're not yeah, it was going to be yesterday, but we just decided to extend voting for one extra day so that more people could get involved than usual. And that being said, it's just going to be a bunch of Munising fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's Munising versus Munising in the championship. And, I mean, hey, they deserved it. They showed up, and they supported their teams. I even said in yesterday's broadcast uh, when I said who the – because we've been talking about it, We've been beating it up and reminding people to vote, and I said – if you don't like this championship matchup, well, you know, tough tools. You should have gotten out there and gotten more people to vote for your favorite team. You know, you didn't work hard enough to get to get more votes. So guess what? They did. Check that out here on uh, ABC 10 coming up here in about 30 minutes. That's it for us here at ESPN-UP. For John Michael, hopefully I'm Tanner Hoops. We'll see you tomorrow, 4 Eastern, 3 Central on ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.